Hey everybody, and again, thank you for tuning in to today's show. You're gonna love today's show because we have global executive, Fortune 500 consultant, author, speaker, educator, Harry Aburi on the show, and he's gonna talk to us about multi-industry platforms and this new mindset needed in today's dynamic landscape of business and consumerism. Very exciting show, very intelligent and articulate professional, and I can't wait to introduce him to you and learn more about what he's doing. Before we get there, though, remember you can go to www.hellomynameisjosh.com. That's www.hellomynameisjosh.com. There you can learn more about me, my books, and listen to all my podcasts that are all archived right there for your listening pleasure. Remember, you can also go to anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Any questions for me or the show, you can email me at josh at hellomynameisjosh.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and now, let's go to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. You're listening to The Success Show channel. I'm your host, Joshua Kangley, with another episode of Table Talks. We have a very special guest on the show, and I cannot wait to introduce him to you guys because a lot of these topics and a lot of his expertise is something that I'm super interested in. We have global executive, Fortune 500 consultant, author, speaker, and educator, Mr. Harry Aburi on the show. Harry, welcome to the show. Hi, Josh. I'm so happy and honored to have you on the show and spend some time with us today and talk more about... Uh, what you're doing with your firm, the preparation company, and all your expertise that you are are offering and helping companies reach levels of success. So super excited to talk more with you about all of that. But before we get into that, I would like uh, to give you a little time, Harry, to just kind of introduce yourself to everybody here. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I'm a global executive with over 20 years of experience. My work has been strategy, leadership, business models. I've had the opportunity to live and work in several countries, India, Malaysia, Singapore, and Switzerland before I moved to U.S. I currently lead a boutique firm focused on strategy and agility. It's called The Preparation Company. The reason I named it The Preparation Company is that in today's world, we the only game that we are in is preparing for the future. Because of the dynamic nature of the market, disruption, and ideas, I thought it's best to have a company that is actually a work and action-oriented, and that's why I named it the Preparation Company. At present, what I do is we work with CEOs, chief transformation officers, chief HR officers, and chief digital officers in helping them really understand what does agility mean and how can we bring this to the business and their leaders and their strategies and make them successful, not just for the next couple of years, but for the next five to 10 years. Thank you for sharing that with us, Harry. Just honored again to have you on the show and to spend some time with your level of expertise. And I love the name, the preparation company. I think you're spot on. Like you said, it's such a dynamic landscape that we're in. And that is the perfect name, I think, for it. Now, let's break down kind of more of what you do and, and more of what's going on here. So. Um, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, 
you know, the ability to scale products and services to reach new customer segments is, of course, important for companies and the leaders who forge this path. And that's essentially what you do, really, is help them to have that ability. So can you tell us how you do that and, and how your firm, the preparation company, is really specializing in achieving those results? See, when we look at the market today and when we look at what's happening around us in the world, we generally refer to that as a disruptive economy, disruptive idea, or disruptive company. So I spent time understanding why are companies that are so innovative really disrupting the marketplace? A couple of examples. We all know about Airbnb. It has disrupted practically a very well-established hospitality industry and the hotel chains with very limited resources because they're a platform digital data business. So when I spent time researching this phenomenon of companies that are platform businesses disrupting the rest of the world, I found that many of these companies actually have a multi-industry thinking. So they don't think like one industry, they play across. And there are several examples. The recent big one is Apple entering the credit card business with Apple Card. And by the way, it's an interesting example because it works with Goldman Sachs, which now is into retail financial services business because of Apple Card support. So, mm. so, so we look at companies and we understand how these companies can be multi-industry. And a couple of other interesting examples, there is a company called Twist. Uh, it's a toothbrush manufacturing company. It's fantastic design. It's Apple standard design for a toothbrush. They are now into health dental insurance in the New York side of market, and this one will expand. So you're a toothbrush manufacturer in dental business, but you also know that dental insurance is an area that you can occupy. Uh, Volvo is a good example. It's partnering with a company called MDGO. It's an Israeli startup which believes that when a car crash happens, the data on the crash should be transmitted to the emergency rooms within seven or six seconds. And now, based on the data, Volvo wants to become a health insurance, emergency insurance player. So the way to scale up a company, in my view, is really to think horizontally across industries and not vertically as one single industry. You know, it's really fascinating to watch these companies disrupt some of these well-established industries. And, you know, having that multi-industry thinking is super important. And you talked about disruptors in industries, and there's a lot of focus and hype around the companies who are doing the disrupting. What are your thoughts on this disruption that's happening? And what do you think is really going on here? That's a great question, Josh. At the heart of it, the reason why we see disruption is not because companies are brilliant, is because customers have a set of expectations, and I call it transfer of expectations. So let me take you back to my childhood, and I'm Indian by ethnicity. I still have memories of me standing with my mother in a line to get a domestic gas cylinder replacement. You know, So we don't have pipe gas like how we have in other parts of the world, including U.S., and eventually we would get to the counter and there would be this old uh, clerk who would scroll through a desk of cards and we would come to the name card. He would write it down with a piece of pencil or paper and we would never know when the supply would turn up at home. And, and fast forward and now we can call the number in and press number one or number two on the button and then 
you have the you actually hear the information saying, hey, you know, your gas would be delivered on so and so day between this time and this time. The reason why markets move, the reason why companies move, is customers always take one idea from one experience and transplant it as an expectation into a completely unrelated idea. Now, the reason I gave this example of my childhood is we took that experience and we said, I wish the public utilities company that provides those electricity had the same facilities. I wish I had that when I went to pay my taxes. I wish I had that when I went to get some other service from the government. So, and and similarly, you know, let's look at Airbnb and Uber for a second. Mm-hmm. I always want a car to turn up on my doorstep. You know, we've all been traveling around. We always wanted a cab or a taxi. And it's a pain. You have to stand at a certain point. You have to wait for it. And there are cab drivers who want to take you, don't want to take you. And if it's if it's tough weather, uh, it's that much more difficult for you to walk across to a point where to get a cab. So the idea that or the expectation that I want a car turning up on my any place literally in the world marked by a GPS point has always existed. And that expectation in turn drives the services that these companies are innovating. So so transfer of expectations I think is really at the heart of it. Where customers take one experience and totally apply that as an expectation to a completely unrelated area, forcing companies to change. Thank you by the way for sharing that childhood example. Very appreciative of that. You know, customer service is my favorite thing to talk about. I love customer service. Um, and, and you talk about at the speed of the customer. What does that mean? And why do companies need to ensure that they are doing this? Let me just take you back to the fundamental reason why I call it at the speed of the customer. So a lot of people ask me what agility means. And there are several brilliant thinkers around the world who have put out their articulations and explain uh, what it means to companies. And I was trying to look for a very succinct way to explain to business leaders what agility means. And based on all the examples they gave you around transfer of expectations and how companies are multi-industry, what is driving it is really the speed of the customer. So you're constantly trying to be at the speed of the customer, and therefore you need to be agile in the way your strategy is, the way you're organized, the way you conduct your business, the way you serve your customers. So to me, agility is being at the speed of the customer. Now, obviously, when you begin to apply this, uh, you have to consider the fact that there are smaller companies innovating faster than larger companies, and will they continue to be at the same speed when they become large? I believe so. You know, Amazon is one great example of this, obviously, and it's it's got its share of criticism in terms of how it is as a large company, but you cannot deny the fact that it's truly customer-centric, you know, I, I even get my pet food and certain groceries from Amazon because it comes pretty much in a couple of hours to a day. And, and if you can beat that expectation, then you can beat Amazon. And you see every other retailer struggling um, to do that. And the number of retailers that have gone out of business in the last two years is phenomenal because they couldn't figure out how to be a platform business to be at the speed of the customer. What you're saying is, it's all about transfer of expectations. And if, if you can meet those expectations, that those new expectations, you have something there, correct? Correct. And, and I'll probably give you a Starbucks example. All of us 
Pranav, obviously knows Starbucks very mm. well. And in the past, uh, not more than three years ago, you would go wait in the line, probably would take you 10 minutes based on, on the volume that they're serving. And you would get your cup of coffee and sit down and Wi-Fi is there and you're reading something or watching something. You finish your coffee, chat with your friends, you have business meeting. The fundamental assumption there was that you have enough time on your hands to come and have a coffee at Starbucks. It was not necessarily a very brisk experience. And then you begin to see companies like Uber and Airbnb and many others innovating on interfaces. You can touch your screen, a single button, uh, and then your service is delivered. So, and then you have companies like McDonald's completely innovating and on their delivery, you know, the car pickup line. So what Starbucks did was figured out that people would like to pick up and go and they created the drive-ins. So for every one customer that you serve in the shop who has ample time, you're serving about three to four cars driving through your outlet. Now, I mentioned why Uber has an influence on this. Now, with the digital interfaces that are really smart, you can transform your business model. Now, for every, as you know, you can order Starbucks now through an app, and then you go pick it up in the store. Now, for every one customer you serve in the store who sits down and has coffee, you're serving three to four cars, but guess what? You're serving almost 10 to 15 mobile orders that you go pick up. And your entire business model changes to deliver that. And they would not have been doing that if the customer who is getting something at a touch of a screen like an Uber service does not transplant that expectation onto Starbucks so that Starbucks can be at the same speed of expectations. Let's shift things a little bit here and talk about purpose. Purpose... Why is purpose, or do you think it is, is purpose more important than culture? Because, again, we hear about culture a lot. Uh, so do you think purpose is more important than culture, or are, are they the same? Well, absolutely. And and as I mentioned, uh, because I talk about agility being at the speed of the customer, what it fundamentally means is that your purpose is so clear that every single resource organization, muscle, brain, everything aligns itself to that singular purpose. Now, the difficulty I have, as you know, I've been a senior HR professional across the world with different companies and different sizes and different contexts. Every time we discuss culture, we are keeping the company at the same place, you know? So it's almost a status quo because we are so proud of a culture that we believe that that is more important than a strategy good example is GE, you know, so I work with GE, I truly admire that company, but the fact remains that GE was so proud of its culture and leadership values, and they prided themselves on it, that that became an overbearing guiding principle, rather than the fact that the markets were shifting, rather than the fact that they had to be multi-industry thinking, they had to think through like a platform business, uh, all of that, and therefore they lost their way because they lost their sense of purpose. Uh, so you can have a brilliant culture, but it may not take you anywhere because you just don't have a purpose. So I would much rather place a bet on having a strong sense of purpose uh, that everybody gets rather than having a strong sense of, of culture uh, with nowhere to go. And that's the reason I say purpose is more important than culture. I think 
companies that are agile understand that and do that very well. Companies that are not agile keep talking about culture a lot without talking about purpose. You know, and we are learning so much about human behavior and this is becoming important data for companies. You know, every uh, company is focused on this data. And like you said, applying through different technologies to better interface with the customers. So how does a company today, in your opinion, become a market leader? And what are your thoughts on this interface economy? I think there are three elements to be truly a market leader. And those three elements, by the way, are also the three elements of agility that I talk about to be at the speed of the customer. Element number one is intersections. Element number two is interfaces. And element number three is insights. And I'll come to interfaces in a second. Intersections, I think we discussed a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to be at the intersection of industries, intersection of technologies, intersection of future of work. You know, the way you do work in companies, the method, etc., is all changing with automation, robotics, and all of that. The second part of uh, agility is really brilliant interfaces. We live in an interface-based economy. Uh, we've discussed the more popular examples of Uber and Airbnb, but guess what? Uh, there are so many other examples that are interface-based economy. Uh, I, my water bottle is from a company called Hydrate. What it basically does is that it measures, it's obviously a smart sensor-based water bottle, and it glows when, it, when I need to drink water, and it keeps reminding me how much I need to drink based on my body mass index, based on my activity levels, all of that, and it, it actually links up with the Apple Health data. To, you know, in, in addition to your move, your stand goals, all of that, you also have a hydration goal that goes along with the activity that you have. Everything is an interface-based economy. And, and if your company cannot really design brilliant interfaces, uh, you will not be able to win in the marketplace because that really brings customer experience to life. The last one is really insights. When you have brilliant interfaces, you have brilliant data. Uh, you have a far more deeper understanding of human behavior, and that goes back and allows you to fine-tune your strategy at the intersections. And that's amazing insight, too, Harry, uh, to share with us. As we continue to move along in this very dynamic and ever-changing landscape, it's just fascinating to see. And I think you give great hope to a lot of entrepreneurs out there, a lot of people looking to get into markets uh, and possibly becoming disruptors themselves. That, of course, is they're paying attention to the transfer of expectations, like you so eloquently put. Harry, I, I thank you so much for being on the show today and really articulating this mindset needed in preparing for the future. Thank you again, Harry, for being on the show. Where can we go to learn more or to reach out, learn more about your firm as well? Thank you, Josh, for having me on the show. My, my closing comment would be to let everybody know that Ideas don't typically die, it's companies that die. And a quick example for that is Sony Walkman. You know, so I don't know if you ever use a Walkman in your life, Josh. Oh, I yeah. have. Uh, <laughs> you know, so the, the fascinating thing about it is in addition to using hundreds of batteries literally because it, you know, it consumes it fast enough, is the fact that we all have gotten used to headphones and then that went on from company to company to Bose. And with the AirPods innovation that Apple has done and and further spurring a whole bunch of wireless parts in your ears. So if you're not agile, if you're not at the speed of the customer, if you're not at the intersections, interfaces, and sides, 
the company would die and somebody else would pick up the idea and make it brilliant because they get the intersection part very well so so that really was was i think one comment i would like to add the best way to get more information on my firm uh the partners i work with globally and the research we do and the case studies of us working with companies is go to preparationcompany.com and you'll find a bunch of information and research sitting out there that would interest you and possibly you know i believe the best way to generate ideas is to conversations and if you reach out i think uh, we can have a great conversation absolutely i agree with you 100% harry and again thank you again so much for being on the show today harry thank you josh Everyone, that was Harry Aburi, and Harry is a Fortune 500 consultant, global executive, author, speaker, and educator. Again, his firm is called The Preparation Company, and you can go to preparationcompany.com to learn more. Like you said, have a conversation about these amazing ideas that you might have and how you can use your ideas in a multi industry platform. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I hope you enjoyed this information. I really appreciate Harry's articulation uh, on the mindset needed to really be successful in today's dynamic landscape and some ideas, tools, and things that you can do to help get your mindset more into multi-industry thinking and platform thinking. So again, thank you so much, Harry, for being on the show today. Everyone, you can go to www.hellomynameisjosh.com. That's www.hellomynameisjosh.com. There you can learn more about me, my books, and also listen to all my podcast episodes, all archived right there for your listening pleasure. You can also find me anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. If you have questions for me or about the show, you can email me at josh at hello my name is josh.com. That's josh at hello my name is josh.com. Again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. If you like the show, please share with your friends and please rate five star. This will help me get in front of a larger audience and help more people. Guys, as always, thank you again. And until next time, I'll talk to you later.